When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into a 6 o'clock edition of GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. I'm Mike Yuva. He's intern Joe. Happy to have you here with us on this Tuesday evening as we talk about what took place this past week for the Gamecocks. They got back to 500 on the year. Big win against Mississippi State. They were able to do some things that should make you feel a little bit better as they get ready to head to Knoxville to take on Tennessee. But in addition to that, there were also some things that they still need to clean up, or it's just become a little bit more obvious over the last couple of days from this past weekend's game. So, as we do every Tuesday, we'll have intern Joe lead us off with his thoughts. I'll get my thoughts from today's press conference, but a little housekeeping note. Carlin Spatel will be joining us, former Gamecock defensive back, and he's a great person to have on for multiple reasons because, shoot, with what took place in the secondary the other day, he'll give us exactly what's going on oh, in those yeah. meeting rooms with Torian Gray and Clayton White, what's being said to those defensive backs as they try to clean things up against a Tennessee team that likes to throw the football. They've had some success running, but they're a team that likes to throw it. And then we'll also get into just the transition and what that process is like as a Division II guy because, as we saw from this past weekend, different position. But Mario Anderson had his first real crack at it. His first real crack, I think he had 47 plays on offense, and he made the most out of it. So we will hear from Carlins in a little bit. Having said all that, Joe, lead us off. Just your biggest takeaway from today's press conference with Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. Yeah, um, there was a lot to take away from the pressers today. Um, Lynn, happy Tuesday. Glad you're turning in. Um, yeah, lots to take away. I mean, my biggest takeaway, though, I think, you know, the guys seem confident. I mean, they, they know they can go up to Knoxville and, and win this game. Um, I, I, I feel that, you know, last week and, or the last two weeks even have been big building blocks for, uh, for South Carolina going forward. And I mean, they've got a very, very big one this weekend, but I mean, those last two weeks, especially in even week one, two, the errors that they made against North Carolina, it's all been building to this and, and Georgia too, even, uh, you know, it's all been building to the up, to this game against Tennessee, you find out what kind of team you mm. are in this game. So um, it's kind of what I took away. I know our guest has joined us already. Yeah, we're uh, going to have Carlin top on in just a little bit. I just messaging him. Yep. So I'll have my quick thoughts, and then we'll get right to Carlin's. I, I think the biggest thing that I took away from today, and it doesn't surprise me, but it's one thing to assume it, but it's another thing to actually hear the head coach say that. And 
to hear him speak the way he did about to carry on Joyner. Look, we understand when it comes to this fan base, we understand that they're always going to wear their emotions on their sleeves, right? And when they were able to see the success from Mario Anderson the other night, and then you see the fumble from DK, it's so easy just to be like, all right, hey, let's just shift on over and let's all cheer on the, the shiny new toy and forget about the old one. That's not the case. We've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. And even again, this past week, and DeCarion Jordan did a lot of good things, scores his fourth rushing touchdown in as many games. He did a phenomenal job in pass blocking, which obviously is one of his strong points and one of the reasons why he has been out there as much as he has been, especially as South Carolina has tried to figure out their issues with the offensive line after the first game. But on top of it all, he's someone that you can just trust in the backfield. And Mario's emergence the other night is only going to help USC. We know that, but now it frees up the legs a little bit of DK, and hopefully he can give you a little bit more on the ground. But in addition to that, everything else that he's able to give you, which is his pass blocking and obviously his ability to make a difference in the passing game as well. Joining us now is Carlins Patel. Carlins, I don't know if you could move the uh, camera a little bit. We got the light from the background with it. We want people to see that face of yours, man. Yeah, I, see um, I don't got no blinds on So no worries. We'll we'll roll with the punches if we have to. If you want to just move, do you have do you have an iPhone or a laptop? Just kind of tilt it. Yeah, yeah there, we there we go. There we go. There we go. There it is. Carlins Patel joining us, former Gamecock man. defensive back. First off, man, because we haven't talked in forever, just how are you doing? How have you been? I've been doing good. I've been doing good, you know, just staying low, staying to myself. But, yeah, I've been good. How are you? I'm good, man. And this is intern Joe. We haven't had a chance to meet intern Joe. But intern Joe, every week we're able to, to – it feels like he'll tell you. We always find a way to – Squeak in a Carlin's Patel reference, but we'll get we'll get into we'll get into what you've been up to in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming you got two teams to follow. But I'm assuming you're following the Gamecocks still a lot. Man. What were you, what were your thoughts just the other night from what you saw from your boys? Man, they played up. Shoot, I thought um I thought Mississippi State was a good team. I thought what they what they was doing was good, but man, South Carolina just that team. Um, Xavier, man, he going crazy. Quarterback going, yeah. He's going to be good. I'm going to get into why I really wanted to have you on in a minute, talking about Mario Anderson. He's a Division II guy that came on in and obviously had a phenomenal night the other night. But, look, let's call for what it is. Secondary play, you know when things don't go well, it's going to be the easiest thing that shows up on the game film. It's going to be the easiest thing in the stands for people to point out to. What's going on, you think, obviously Tuesdays, as you remember, those are the toughest days with Beam when it comes to practice. But what's going on after that game and leading up to getting ready for Tennessee, you think, with Torian Gray and Clayton White and what's being said in those defensive back meeting rooms? In those meeting rooms, I think they're probably just harping more on technique, um, trying to get them better within just, you know, not – they don't got to be like drastically – but, you know, from week to week, you, know, you got to get 1% better. So I think they're just probably getting more technique stuff down, watching more film, um, being able to pick up more tendencies. Um, that's usually how the beginning of the week will go. But um, it's not like like watching the game, I felt as if um, 
Like they they wasn't getting beat like you know fifteen yards, twenty yards. You know what I mean? So it was like the passes they caught from what I seen. It was just like good balls and good placements. So I think you know if they if they kind of tweak a little bit, you know they they'll be in a better position. Got something, Joe? Uh, yeah, Collins, I did. First off, I did want to say, like, we, we bring you up every week. It's it's good to finally have you on. Uh, Mike always finds a way to drop a Carlin's Patella reference in there. So um, good to finally get you on the show. But, yeah, um, I guess my first question, and it's kind of why, you know, Mike uh, wanted to have you on tonight, me as well. Um, so we, we hear about this jump between Division Two guys or Division Three guys even, um, the jump to Division One and how it is kind of an adjustment, but it could be easier for skill players. Just kind of walk me through that. How big was the adjustment? And then also, too, like how do you see the guys that, that didn't make the jump for South Carolina that are playing for them right now? Like how do you see them doing and fitting into the SEC ball? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I came from D2 to the SEC. And um, I wouldn't say the jump is really too much. I think the, the two biggest things that really got me from – transitioning was um being able to see the the o-line and d-line they they was like the biggest difference <laughs> and also it was kind of just the depth because like playing d2 like i would see like one good receiver but like you know not, not to say the other ones were like you know bad but like it wasn't as much depth if you go into the sec you have three four five receivers that's good with you know the five stars that's coming in that's pretty good so it's like just the depth in the O-line, D-line. And the players that transferred in that I'm seeing, I think they're doing good. You know, they're doing good with what's being thrown at them. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it is still from D2 to SEC. So, you know, there's going to be hardships going into that. But I think they're doing good. You know, they're being thrown into the fire, and I think they're prevailing. Well, Carl, because it's interesting – I think it was maybe two weeks ago, Mario Anderson, he's the running back that came on in from Newberry down the street, D2 school down here. And he talked about the mental challenge for him. And I think this is what, maybe heading into week, heading into week three after their firming game. So he was able to get a little bit more confidence, goes up against an FCS school, a good FCS school at that. But, you know, he's able to go out there. So I bring that up because I bring that up because, when you hear a player say that, and again, it's offense versus defense, but when you hear someone say it's the mental challenge that I'm trying to get over that hurdle of, mm-hmm. can you can you kind of uh, relate in a sense of what he's trying to say? I mean, because for me, I think I understand it. I think for a lot of people on the outside, we kind of understand it, but you've gone through it. Yeah. Yeah, so with the, with the mental side, I think just everything is just coming in faster. The game is faster, um, you know. Yeah, I just think, yeah, I just think it's just faster, you know, faster than what D two is. You know, players are coming in, players are faster. So, I think just getting adjusted to that mentally, you know, even the plays too. You got to look more into your assignment with the plays. So, um, yeah, I think the, the the mental aspect is something that just comes over time. You know, it's not something that you know you'll get first time, but I think the more the more repetitions, the the, the better the, the mental aspect will be. When did it click for you, though? Because for him, right, because you know how it goes. You have players that come in, and I don't know how much you really paid attention to it, but you have guys that are coming in, and naturally this fan base, they're all like, all right, if they're not out there week one, week two, I'm not saying everyone in the fan base, but 
there's a portion of the fan base that if they don't see them right away, something's wrong. You know, mm-hmm. in the back of their head, they think it's kind of like Madden that you could just insert a player and they're ready to go week one. Because with Mario, we kept talking about how it was a process. It was a process. You know, he's picking up different things, and Beamer kind of hit on some things today where he's improved from a blocking standpoint because he can view with his eyes better. He can see the pressure because it's different with D2. Yeah. For you, it felt like, and I could be wrong, I felt like things really started to click for you probably week three, week four. At least we started to see you in games. I can't relate to that in practice. Mm-hmm. But does that sound about right? And after that, I know you got in. You started the last six, seven, eight games at nickel. Yeah. So I think I think what really helped was um, our first my my year. Our first two games was Eastern Illinois and East Carolina. So I think those those first two weeks were like really like just building building me up, building confidence in myself. And then um, and yeah, I think yeah. So those two weeks I think really solidified what like playing big time ball is and um that just kind of progressed over the season then we got into you know georgia and tennessee and stuff like that so yeah i think just the first two games really kind of just put it all together for me yeah carlin's obviously making the jump from d2 um to the sec playing in these atmospheres is probably an adjustment south carolina's going on the road to a really really tough one this week in, in Rocky Top in, in Tennessee, uh, what did do you have a, a road game where you were kind of like, whoa, like this this is crazy, this atmosphere is just hard to play in. Like, were there were there any moments like that that you were just kind of blown away by the atmosphere? Yeah, there was there was one game, in, well, two games in particular, but the first game was uh, was Georgia because Georgia they they already had everybody in the stands pregame, everybody was already at the game, so that so. That, that was kind of weird. But um, the second game, though, was like the, the biggest shocker. It was Texas A&M. And playing over there at night, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It was like 110,000 people there screaming. The, the cannon was firing. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. But it was really fun, though. It was fun. When we look at Mario Anderson, I keep bringing him up so much, but it could be for any transfer that comes on in here. For you, it was, I mean, shoot. Even guys that had been here for three, four, even five years. I mean, I give to carry on Joyner a lot of crap now because he's he's one of the old guys in the room now. He's one of the old heads. But, you know, even though you were going into a situation where there was a new coach transferring on in, it was a different experience. We have a guy that's uh, there's an offensive lineman here, Nick Gargiulo, similar to your situation, comes from the Northeast, comes on down. He's got one year of eligibility left. And even though you have that experience of playing college football, you're still new here. I know you're a quiet dude. I know you don't like to at least talk that much when it comes to the cameras and all that stuff either. But you're a dude that's just about your business. Having said all that, what helped you with just that transition of coming down here, right? Because you know, all right, I'm not a freshman at Assumption anymore. It's not like I can, you know, baby step things on in. I only have X amount of months left. How, how did it? Was there a person? Was there a coach? Was there just anything that kind of helped you with that process? Because there's so many transfers that are coming in now. It's just part of college football, college sports really in general. But South Carolina has really took advantage over it uh, since Beamer arrived. I've started with your class. Yeah, so um, when I was coming in, I think a lot of things that helped me was being with the coaches, like Coach uh, Coach Gray and Coach Smith. Um, I Zoomed when I was in um, – when I was up here, 
And while I was transitioning going down there, I would be on a lot of Zoom calls with them, you know, going over, you know, the defense, going over uh, assignments and stuff like that. And then when I did go over there, it was just a lot of uh, film study also with coaches, um, you know, like me, Foster, Cam, like we would do stuff too together. And um, I think one of the biggest things that helped was just having those people around me that wanted to see me progress. And, you know, it was the same with me with them also, even though we, we was all competing, but we all wanted to see each other win. So I think that that was kind of a big thing for us. Well, for me personally, um, you know, being in a new environment, I, I am a quiet kid, you know, I'd be staying to myself, but um, I think they, they definitely, coaches and the players definitely brought the best out, out of me. Yeah, Carlins, I, I got another question for you. Um, so this defensive back room didn't have the best game against Mississippi State. Obviously a lot to tune up going into Tennessee. You're facing a guy like Joe Milton. When you were playing for South Carolina, how did you guys approach that? Like, how did you guys take it from week to week, just kind of go in, realize you had a bad week, and then approach it? You know, we got to fix this, this, and this if we want to have success against uh, a high-powered passing attack like Tennessee has. Yeah, so we we, we took it personally. Um, you know, like, if a game like that happened with us, we didn't want that to happen again. Like, no matter what it took, like, we didn't we did not want that to happen again. Um so I think I think that's what they're doing too. They're taking it personally. They know they know what happened last week, but they also know that a game like that won't won't happen with them. And I think they have the players to do it with OD and and Cell. They they definitely have the players. So you know it's gonna be a good game this weekend. You had a chance to be able to play with a lot of talented guys in that defensive back room despite it just only being one season. And I know you didn't have a chance to play with some of the younger guys here, but it's a, it's a younger room. How how much, whether it be the guys like Jalen Foster, and obviously he's been gone for two years now, but even Cam, how much of it don't we see in terms of the communication, the leadership stuff on the field do you think they are missing this year? And how how big of shoes is that to fill for a guy, even like DQ Smith, who's a sophomore, or Nick even worry? They're sophomores. They they were starting last year, but you got to replace a lot of talented guys out there who I'm assuming are pretty vocal out there. Yeah. So with that, um, you know, with the with the safety and in the nickel positions, you know, they they're doing you know a great job. You know, I've been I've been keeping that even since last year with Nick. Like he's been going crazy. <laughs> but also they're they're like you said they're really young and with safety and nickel those are the two positions where you really have to communicate and you really have to be on the same page. So with them being younger, you know, it's going to be harder because, you know, they're, they're not experienced. So, but um, I think as time goes on, you know, they're only sophomores. So I think to with this season coming up towards the end of the season and come next year, the communication will probably be on point. And you have Cell and OD, which has been in the defense for so long and they're playing corner. They're, probably on the island most of the time. But even with them, they, they I know they definitely communicate. You know, they, they try to do their best, but, you know, they have their assignment to do. So I think, you know, them, them being young is, uh, you know, it's a blessing and a curse with the communication. But being that young and out there playing in SEC, that's, you know, that, that that's big. Without getting into the – the, the stuff that happens in the kitchen and giving all the details out. I mean, I got myself in trouble with Coach Chesney a couple of years ago because I used one of the, the phrases of a, of a term that we use for a playbook. And I was doing a broadcast and 
he got on me after a game. I don't want, I don't want to get I don't want to get you in trouble. That's what I'm trying to get at. Having said all that, what is it about Torian Gray and the way that Coach White as well with maybe the terminology and the stuff that you guys use, which helps you guys to be able to pick it up? And the reason why I want to mention that, Carlins, is because, again, there's so many young players on this team, and we're seeing a lot of freshmen having to get thrown in there, right? And, yeah, you can have the natural ability – but as you know, if you're not understanding the playbook, that can be real difficult. Is it a fairly – when I say easy playbook, I'm not saying it's a, you know, a, a playbook for dummies, but I'm saying is do the way they go about things in terms of coaching it, do they make it easier so that if you do have the ability, you can get on the field a little bit quicker? Yeah. So I think one thing about Coach Gray and Coach White is they, you know, they, they obviously want to succeed and they want to you know, win games. So they, they do a good job of explaining stuff. So with, with someone, you know, all the players have different type of uh, learning. Some learn, you know, on the board. Some learn actually going out there and do it. Some learn in other ways. And they do a fantastic job of, of categorizing everyone and seeing how they learn so they can, um, they can better explain stuff. So they, they kind of simplify it for everybody in their in their own little way so it's a, it's a it's, it's a great thing because you're you're getting to learn and also you get to uh, play if you get to learn but um yeah they they do a fantastic job man they those some of the best coaches i had and um with the defense i don't think the defense is is that personally i don't think it's that hard but also i came in as a fifth year so i already knew a lot of the defense already Shoot, and you played for you played for uh, shoot. That was like what your third or fourth defensive playbook you had to learn because you had two different coaches at Assumption. Then you come on in and Beamer's here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was tough. Yeah, that that was my fourth playbook I had to learn. But with all the playbooks, they, they're all the same thing. It's just different terminology. Like literally, all of them is the same thing. It's just different language. That's all it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. All it Collins. is. I, I want to ask you, a uh, guy that's popping off for the offense is Xavier Leggett. You you obviously played against him a little bit in practice, saw what kind of person he is inside the building. What what did you see from him behind the scenes, and does this surprise you at all? Nah, nah, it don't surprise me at all. He, um, I remember there was, um, we we was doing like, you know, some, some when I want stuff. And then it was, it was my first ever rep going against him in the summertime. And uh, he ran like a corner, but like, he got me straight from the line. Boom, got me off the line. I'm like, <laughs> I'm over here trailing, running behind him. But nah, I never, I, I, nah, I never doubted him. I knew, I knew he was gonna be like that. Like, yeah, he's, yeah, it's only the start for him. It's only the start. Um, before I let you get going there, Carlins, what you been up to? Because I think some people were following your career. I know you had the injury, unfortunately. You're with the Steelers uh, during that time period. I believe this past spring you came on late, but you were uh, you were in the USFL. Kind of just get people caught up on as to what you've been up to. Yeah, so I was with Pittsburgh, and then I ended up tearing my patella tendon. Um, it was a pretty bad injury, but you know I recovered well. Um, I actually signed on to the USFL just to you know try to get my feet back, you know try to get because um, it's, it's it's another thing from working out and actually being in game. So, you know, I just wanted to try, you know, get practice going. But, 
yeah, you know, I'm still signed to the USFL. Um, you know, I'm still going, you know. It's, it's a blessing, you know, and you know, we're going we're gonna to keep going. Where are we living at? Where, where are you at right now? You back in Everett? Nah, I'm back in, uh, I'm back in Mass. I'm, I'm, I'm in Worcester right now. You're in Worcester? Yeah, I'm in Worcester right now. You Boston boys, man. I'm outnumbered here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, you, man, I, I'll be back. I'll be back in Worcester during the bye week. There's a there's a wedding back there for a teammate. I'm trying to think if you were there. I don't think you played for Eric Abertson. So I'll be back up there. Might be checking out my first assumption game in about nine years. I can't remember the last time I was there. I did play by player color commentating in 2014. It's been a minute, so I'll have to go check out the boys. And if you're in town, maybe we'll link up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let me know. Absolutely. Any any final thoughts in turn, Joe? No, I mean, Collins, this was awesome. I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, like I said, Mike brings you up every week, so it was good to finally have you on and, and, and pick your brain about some of this stuff. Yeah, man, thank you, man. Thank you to both of you guys for having me. No worries. No, absolutely, man. I any Anytime, any, anytime you want to come on, you already know. I mean, I was – I've been – God bless the girlfriend, right? And I could only get away with this because Carlin's on. <laughs> oh boy! I've been cleaning out because I mean she says I have too much crap. I keep I, I I'm a I'm a mini hoarder when it comes to like keeping like I keep a lot of stuff. I found I found what am I got right here? Oh God! Oh man! Oh man is right, Joe. Yeah. I got oh. a special teams book for Assumption 2011. I got I got all my I'm literally throwing stuff away and I'm like I'm not throwing that away. Yeah. You don't know. Uh-huh. Maybe maybe I'm gonna have to run down on uh, on special teams one more time. I don't know. Yeah, you gotta keep it. Use that fifth year. Yeah, for the memories, man. You gotta keep it. Look at it, turn, Joe. Oh man. I, I, I will ask. Hey, Carlos. I will bring this up though. I will bring this up. I want to ask you one last thing, and I'll let you get going. With what your experience is like, like at South Carolina, and obviously I know you came from a Division II school and all that kind of stuff, and you know we, you know how I feel about assumption, but what would you tell other people out there about what Shane Beam or what that coaching staff envisioned for you, what they promised for you, the opportunities they said that were going to be in front of you, and how it materialized out? You know, how, how did you really – process that whole thing and what would you tell people about the experience because again you know that you're not going to be the only person that they ever go after they've gone after many players to the transfer portal gone through a division two guy obviously mario anderson yeah um i think so with my with my transfer process south carolina was came in really late i think they all they offered me like when they offered me i committed to them like three days later but um, I think everything with Beamer and Coach White and Coach Gray, they also uh, just genuine. Like everybody on the coaching staff, like they never, they never promised me anything. Like every every, every call I had with them, they would tell me like, um, you know, it's a, it's a new coaching staff. You know, everybody, you know, it's it's back at zero pretty much. Everybody got to work their way up. It's a new staff. You know, they're trying to rebuild something, um, and they would like to have me a part of it and you know compete for a spot. And, you know, that, that was kind of the, the gist of it. But also, I think with, with Coach Gray, talking more with him, because, you know, he's my position coach, um, I think with him, it, when I would talk to him, it would be more of, you know, his experience. 
of all the teams he's been through, you know, the NFL teams he's coached. So I wanted to be around people like that who would always, you know, keep it, you know, keep it, keep it honest with me, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I think I made the, the best decision. And, um, yeah, I loved it down there. I loved it. I got to go oh. back down there for a game. Oh, I'd yeah. love to have you back down here, man. You let me know. We'll make we'll make that happen. But. Maybe get you on the post game show too. <laughs> well, oh yeah, I got to. Sure. Hey, Carlin's appreciate you coming on again. Former Gamecock defensive back, Carlin's Patel joining us today. Thank you very much, Carlin's. Thank y'all, man. Thank y'all. Yeah. And go game right. yeah. There we Absolutely. go. Go Gamecocks. There he is. Let's go. All right, Joe. So going off from that, going off from what Carlin's was saying there. Again, the transition for some of these Division II guys, and it's it's a similar mindset for a lot of these guys, whether it be a Nick Gargiulo, whether it be even a Trey Knox. But as you heard from Carlins, it was truly understanding, like, when you're on the field with your position at that level at Division II, when you're a defensive back, you might only have one really stud wide receiver that week that you have to worry about, and then everyone else is kind of like average. Yeah. That's obviously the difference in the SEC is that you got dudes across. So I say that because, and I'm playing off of what Beamer was saying today about Mario Anderson, about the blocking and how he's improved in the division. There might've been only like one really good linebacker or one edge. And you knew what side he was coming from. You knew what side he was coming from. And you knew that you probably had to cheat a little bit on that side, a little bit more. Right. They might have set it up if it's, um, you know, twins right strong. Uh, you're going to have the running back on the right side with it. And the reason why you're going to have the running back on the right side is because you just have a feeling maybe that they're better linebacker, their edge players coming off from that side. So you're able to get away with it a little bit in Division Two that way. Mm-hmm. With this, with the SEC, again, going off from what Carlin said, but flipping it to make it work from what we're talking about from Mario Anderson's perspective there's guys that are going to be coming left and right. And it's not that Mario isn't capable of blocking. It was just being able to have him in a situation where he's able to feel comfortable enough where he has the number of reps in practice and then eventually getting him into a game so he can get those reps. So when the live bullets are coming, he's going to be able to do exactly what he needs to do. So again, it doesn't surprise me with the timeline as far as when we look at the snap count and I'll bring that up. We've been doing that the last couple of weeks. I haven't got yelled at yet for sharing those. So um, we'll, we'll bring those up again. And yeah. the thing with the thing with Mario, when we look at the snap sheet from this past week. And again, if you guys want to see the full rundown of how many snaps there were for each player head on over to gamecock central subscribe it's only a dollar it's only a dollar you cannot that deal sign up today one dollar um when i look at the snap count sheet and i will look at we'll look at the we'll give you we'll give you qb's wide receivers too how about that a little special oh yeah so, and, you know, tuning in as always, Chris as well. What's up? Thank so you as you guys see right there, and I'll zoom in a little bit. Okay. Obviously, Rattler played all of them. But as you see, Mario Anderson, 47. 
47 snaps this past weekend at running back. Obviously, that is the most he's played. I'm trying to do some math in my head right now, but I believe if you go back and you add up all the games that he's played, and I think that's actually more snaps that he played this past week in week four than he did in the previous three weeks combined. So I bring that up because, and Beamer even mentioned too in week one, when they fell behind, they had to change things up a little bit. There was less running and they decided to throw the ball a little bit more. And because of that, that played a, a role in the decision to keep DK out there, some pass blocking situations just because they felt more comfortable with him at the time. What I'm interested in seeing moving forward, right? Mario gave you a spark the other night. There's no question about that. How does he continue to improve with this pass blocking? Because again, Joe, we've talked about this before. Yep. I don't care. I don't care how good of a running back you are. I don't care how good of a running back you are. If South Carolina is struggling, and again, this is just hypothetically speaking, if South Carolina begins to struggle up front again in some capacity, right? What are you going to do as an offensive coordinator? What are you going to do as a head coach? You're going to put the guy out there that you feel most comfortable to be able to block. And that right now, at least as of today, is DK. So I say that because if Mario can continue to have that growth, and we saw it the other night with one of the touchdown passes from yep. Rattler. I mean, he just he stepped in there, and Mario had a phenomenal block. Phenomenal Unbelievable. block. Let's pick up. But if he does that and he's able to continue to grow, it's going to be tough to take him off the field. Because, again, you want to be able to have someone on the field that you can do everything with, right? I mean, that, that's obviously in the perfect world. You want to be able to do everything with. But if you can have someone out there that is giving you pass protection for your star quarterback, it's going to be tough to take him off. So my whole point is yeah. – it's one thing, kind of like when we talk about with an offense being able to run the football and throw it, right? For a defensive line, it makes their job a hell of a lot easier because they know if it should be pass, 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 pass. They just got to put their hand in the dirt and tee off on the quarterback. In this case, if Anderson is able to have success with not only running the football but blocking, it's going to keep him on the field. If DK is only really having success in the passing game and he – Ran, he's running hard still. I know some people are going to get on him for that fumble. I get it. He's still running hard. But if, if he's not really having that success in the run game side of it, kind of like a wildcat guy, right? It's kind of like when you see someone go out in the wildcat, it's like, oh, we know what's going to happen. Oh, we just got to run it here. DK's out there and he's only pass blocking. And then Mario comes back in. It's like, oh, Mario's only going to run here. So Mario just needs to continue to come along. I think he will because he's shown that. But it can be a really, really good combination to have those two guys back there. And I've said this before, Joe, and I want you to just have your thoughts on that and then piggyback off of this thought too. Yeah. At least right now, I don't think you need to burn the red shirt on, on DJ Braswell. I really don't. Mm -hmm. I think with Mario, and again, people, remember this. Mario still has a year of eligibility after this season. He redshirted in 2019 at Newberry. 2020 was the COVID year. He still has one year of eligibility after if he wants to return. So you'd be looking at Mario back next year. You'd be looking at Juju, who has another year or two. You'd be looking at 
DJ Braswell, if he's redshirted, and then some talented freshmen, and hopefully Daniel Hill as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm just we'll get to your questions, up. by the way. We will get to some of those questions here in a little bit. But sorry, Mike, didn't mean to cut but just you off. No, just, and I know I've been rambling about the running back situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. but just your overall thoughts, Joe, on kind of like what I was talking about with, again, do you feel like they need to go in that direction with Braswell? I mean, we're, we're at the point now no. where we're heading into game five. Unless someone gets hurt, and God forbid that doesn't happen, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth burning a redshirt year, despite how talented someone could be. Despite how talented someone could be, you need to start looking at things now as saying, okay, again, we've talked about this with sellers. What's in the best interest of a student athlete, and what's in the best interest of the program moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think the running back situation is a complicated one. Um, to simplify it, for me at least, I think what they need to or what they are doing is whoever you know gives them the best chance when when they are pass blocking. Right? I, we've seen Mario Anderson that blitz pickup on that Xavier Leggett touchdown was elite. I mean, that's NFL level blitz pickup mm-hmm. and blocking out of a running back. And I mean, last year, all I can remember hearing about. Um, when I remember Juju McDowell had one of the sound bites of the years when talking about, I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody picking up a blitz, um, in the running back room. Um, and it's, it pass blocking is something that this room's, I, I don't know now, cause we really haven't heard from any of these running backs, but it's something that they normally take pride in. So to see Mario Anderson, him getting those reps, that means he's doing better in the pass blocking scheme. And I think that's also part of the reason why he didn't see the field as much. Um, at the beginning of the years, because, you know, you have to be able to pass block um, and not just be a bell cow back and, and be able to go up the middle. Cause I think we were, we knew Mario was capable of doing that the whole time being the guy that you can, you know, give the ball to in short yardage situations and just stick his nose up the middle. I think, you know, that, that was kind of as advertised and he showed that on, on Saturday, but um, I, what we've really seen improvement of, and I think this is what has improved behind the scenes, which led to him getting more playing time is his pass blocking. Um, I think that's huge and not to discredit DK's pass blocking at all. I think, you know, DK, I mean, Mike, we talked about you talking about it a little bit on Saturday and and Jack and I talked about it a little bit on the walkthrough, but DK Joyner is still going to see a lot of playing time simply because, you know, he is a weapon, just formation. You, you have him out there. You're not sure. Like as a defense, you have no clue what they're going to do with him. You know, you can line him up in wildcat. You can swing him out to the right. You can throw a pass. I mean, to have a guy that that leads to a little bit of confusion like that on the defense, I mean, you love to have that. And, Joe, what's the other thing? And here's the other thing too, Joe. Yeah. He's only been playing running back for four games. Exactly. Beamer, yeah. brought, this up to, Beamer brought this up today. There was a question. I was asking him about Mario and just his growth, and he, he gave a great answer about Mario. Yeah. But then he also said, hey, let's not forget about DK. And the actual – his quote that he brought up, the actual quote that he brought up, and I'm paraphrasing, but Mario, excuse me, DK was out there. Actually, I think I have the quote right in front of me. I can actually share it with you guys. This quote DK, was awesome too. I was going to bring this up. DK was out there, and this is actually the exact quote. He said, quote, this is Beamer, quote, make sure we realize that on Joyner has done some really good things as well. on Joyner had a touchdown uh, run the other night where we completely whiffed and didn't even block the linebacker on the goal line. He had to lower his shoulder and one through and run through arguably one of, if not the best linebacker in the SEC unblocked. Uh, Decarion has done some really good things as well, and he'll continue to uh, he'll continue to 
as he gets more comfortable at running back. And then Mario gives us an added element with his physicality um, and then just the way he runs the football and what he did on Saturday night. So I bring that up because, again, kind of talking about like what we mentioned right off the, the, the bat before Carlin's hopped on, it didn't surprise me, but it was the biggest takeaway, which is there is no – Hey, we're, we're thinking about doing this with DK. No, DK is a running back. And I think that's the biggest issue. I know there's going to be a lot of people on, on social media. They want to have, a, I get it. But at this point, again, looking at your running back room, what is in the best interest of the team, not just right now, but in the future, it's keeping DK there. It's continuing to have faith in him, continuing to let the younger guys like, DJ Braswell continue to come along and to be able to get Mario some more touches in there. I think we're going to continue to see Mario, his snap counts increase, but I also don't think this means DK is going to go into a role where he's only seeing 10 snaps a game. Now, obviously if Mario is able to go out there, kind of like we were talking about before, if Mario is able to do, and I, I don't want to even say better job of blocking because we just haven't seen, there hasn't been that large of a sample size. But if he's able to give you consistency in pass protection and he is improving in practice in ways, obviously we talk about the protection, but just being more consistent, which it sounds like that's what he's been doing over the last couple of weeks, even heading into that Georgia game, despite the fact that he only had two touches for nine yards. If he's yeah. doing those things, it's going to be really hard to take him off the field, especially especially if he's running the football like he did the other night. The way he was chopping his feet was phenomenal. So, again, I bring this up because – and Mark and Dino, I'm glad you brought this up a little while ago. I'm going to go back and, and show it. Look, this is a team that if they're able to just run the football just a little bit, Nick Gargiulo, we talked about this, and I'll read I'll read uh, the quote from him today too. Gargiulo said about last week against Mississippi State, saying, quote, we were getting movement on, their three, on, uh, on three techniques, and we were running wide zone pretty well. What that does to the defense is linebackers have to come down. Safeties have to come down. When he says come down, they're talking about coming down into the box. And it opened up it opened up opportunities for Spencer Rattler. So the whole point to go off from what Macandino saying, being able to have that run game, and we all know it, right? We all understand that. Being able to run the ball, and especially if you're able to run it well, it's going to force these guys to have to bring some extra guys down into the box. Yeah. And if you have a good quarterback, and if you have even one guy that's going off the way that Xavier Leggett's going off, it's truly going to be pick your poison. I feel like until South Carolina can run the ball consistently, teams aren't going to respect them quite yet. I feel like Tennessee might bring some guys down in the box, maybe an extra linebacker. That's what we saw on the flip side of him. I want to talk about some defense before we end things tonight. But that's what South Carolina was doing from a defensive standpoint. They wanted to take away Mississippi State's run game, which they did a great job at. Yeah. Held them to 32 yards. Unfortunately, Mississippi State just continued to have success through the air because South Carolina brought a man down in the box for a safety, but they just couldn't win their one-on-one battle. So I bring that up because – I feel like USC, if they're able to get things going with the run game, 
it really is going to be impossible to stop this team. It's going to be yeah. barely impossible. Yeah. I mean, plain and simple, not, Mike, right? Like they, the point. they they almost won the game at Georgia without running the ball. Like they completely abandoned the run game and could have still had plenty of potential to win that game against the number one ranked team in the country. So I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head there. I mean, I think if they can do both, they're really, really, really hard to stop. Um, and and that shows just kind of the brilliance of Dowell Loggins, in my opinion. It just, I mean, if and he's still figuring it out too, right? Like Shane kind of brushed over that as well. Like four games in, Shane said he was really impressed. And just Dowell's figuring this out as much as everyone else. I mean, this is his first year calling plays as, as a coordinator in, in college. So it's it's an adjustment for him. But we're seeing, you know, night and day improvement week to week. And, you know, I think against Mississippi State, they found a way to run the ball. After allowing um, nine sacks week one too, Joe, yes, right? Yeah. I mean, and we, it, a lot of that a lot figuring of that things out on the fly, figuring yeah. this out to a point where they've been able to, and they may have dropped. I haven't looked at the rankings when yeah. it comes to statistics, but they were eighth in the country when it came to passing offense a week ago. I'm assuming they're still in the top 10, but yeah. they did all that despite the fact that Rattler was running for his life week one. And now yes. they've got the running game going. The problem is, and I'm sure you would agree with this, how do you continue to build off of it, right? Because you did one game, South Carolina, the last seven games, they've only right. rushed for 100 yards or more three times. Tennessee last year, Furman this year, and then this past weekend against Mississippi State. All three of those games, they won. They won. Yeah. The only other game that they, they won during that time period, okay, that they didn't rush for 100 yards was Clemson. So the point being is, when this team hits 100, and especially during that time period when you go back to Tennessee last year, because that's when Rattler really started to get going. I know the Notre Dame game with the Gator Bowl, they really didn't have enough. They really didn't have any tight ends. Who am I kidding? Enough. They didn't really have any tight ends. No tight ends. But if they're able to get things going with the run, they have proven over the last seven games, and again, the reason I'm using seven is because that's when Rattler really started to just go to that next level. They started to really streamline the playbook too, um, right. which obviously is continuing to be a subject going back to last year. And then obviously, as you mentioned with Dal Loggins, he's done a great job this year with working with Rattler. Yeah. So you asked, you're like, how do you go up from here? But the the energy that I caught from Shane and from everybody really is that they they haven't even really gotten started. I, I think Gargiulo and Shane both mentioned, and I, also I think you know the ability to run the ball starts with the offensive line. We know this just, and, and that's just in general with football, you need your offensive line to be on the same page and they're still improving, right? They had a good week last week, but Shane said, by no means hand them the Joe Moore award. You know, they're just getting started. They're just scratching the surface of how good they can be. And that, you know, that hit me. I'm like, wow, like, you know, this, you know, this offensive line group, they had bigger expectations and, and they're just scratching the surface. They're just getting there. That, that Mississippi state game was just a hint of what they could be. And, you know, again, we I've talked about it week in, week out. You know, this group just needs more repetitions to get, yep. you know, with with group. And I think, you know, I, I can't remember who – I think it was Vershawn Lee said it. He said, we've got our five. We're, we're ready to go. Um, mm. or mostly They mostly have their rotation. So now they're repping it out with guys that they know they're going to be playing with. Again, knock on wood here that nobody else gets hurt or anything like that. Um, but so, yeah, because they're already down seven guys on the offensive line. Yeah. And this when I say down, there's up. seven offensive linemen oh, right wow. now that are injured. 
Yeah, yeah. This group has stepped up so well. I mean, two freshmen, true freshmen, and and Tree and Tro. I mean, I feel like you could make a, a buddy cop movie out of out of that Tree and Tro. I mean, those guys are electric. We we talked about it last week too. But I mean, for two true freshmen to come into the SEC in a position, Gargiulo was talking about it today. He said for a position that you know is expected that freshmen can't really come in and, and dominate like they have. They're you know going against all norms here and dominating like like they are. Like it it's it's ridiculous. Like, and, and it shows too. I mean, to me at the end of the day, what that shows me is it shows what kind of players Shane is recruiting. Um, you know, and, and that should excite a lot of people, especially on the offensive line. Speaking about recruiting, just a couple of housekeeping notes. We're continuing to monitor what's going on in the recruiting world. Uh, Jeffrey shares Julius, uh, Lewis Solomon tweeting out a vague tweet that it ain't over flip season incoming. I will say this. Try to make sure I don't get myself in trouble. As far as some players out there that are committed to other schools right now, as I get a text from someone saying, you better not say anything. Um, I will just say there are players out there that are committed to other schools and I will not use any names, that we could be seeing some flips in the near future. Now, having said all that, nothing is in stone when you're dealing with 17, 18-year-old kids, plus the, the I, I want to even call it, I don't even know if you call it gray area when it comes to NIL, the sneaky crap that goes on behind the scenes at some of these other schools, you know? So I, I bring that up and we'll say, and don't jinx it. I'm not talking. No, all I'm saying is there are going to be, and it's not even just South Carolina too. There's, and this goes back to the summer when some of these players, not even with South Carolina, but other schools too, were committing to schools. And I can't speak to every situ- to, to every situation saying, all right, this is what's going on here, what's going But you're running into situations, or you're going to start to run into situations where players are going to commit to schools during the summer because they're going to be promised X amount of money. And then as they get closer to December, guess what's going to happen? That money's not there. That money's not there. So th- there's certainly... South Carolina is doing everything they can to get caught up with the NIL game, right? There's no question about that, that they're still behind in some other schools. Uh, Garnet Trust has been doing a phenomenal job of being able to get yeah. them back into the game, get them back into the conversation with some of these uh, student athletes. But I bring that up because some of these schools, it's kind of just, you know, like the scene in Dumb and Dumber. The IOUs, you open up the briefcase and there's just a bunch of IOU papers saying, what's this? Oh, there are IOUs. They're as good as money. Yeah, go tell that to a commit. Go tell that to a commit who's ready to sign come December when you promised him or mommy or daddy or Uncle Johnny or whatever the heck the case may be back in June and July that you were going to give them X amount of money for for a little Scotty to come to the program. So I don't think, and again, I know we're talking about South Carolina here because this is a South Carolina show. I am not going to be shocked one bit, one bit when we look at signing day and it's not just the early signing day, but 
February as well. I am not going to be shocked one bit if we see a good amount of flips occurring. And again, when I say flips occurring, that doesn't necessarily mean, okay, South Carolina is going to get everybody. All right. What I'm trying to say is across the landscape of college football, because again, based on the conversations I have had with higher ups, people that are in the know when it comes to this stuff, going back to the summer, they said, just get ready. Get re- There's going to probably be more flips this year than we've seen in quite some time. So seeing Solomon tweet that out, what could that mean? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. While we're on recruiting, I did want to bring up this comment and then we'll, we'll hit. There's two more questions if we if, if you're good with hitting them before we uh, wrap yeah, things up. Like, yeah. But have you guys heard anything about Daniel Hill, the running back choosing between us and Bama since we're on recruiting? Mike, I, I mean, I haven't heard anything in particular about Daniel Hill. I know it's still a, technically a toss up like it could go either way. You got anything that you can say? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that we that we really know at this point, and I think we kind of talked about it last week, or I may have mentioned it on Thursday's show, is he's got love for South Carolina. I mean, it is well known how much he loves it here. Uh, everything that is taking place, he has been able to build a good relationship with um, Ontario Hardesty and Shane Beamer. The problem is... And his dad went on record, and I don't like talking about family members of recruits, but it's difficult not to in this case when you do have a family member go on record. And I think we actually shared this story. I think, uh, I don't know if it was Chad Simmons who worked with us, our colleague at On3, but it was shared on On3 about a week ago. And his father went into basically saying without saying directly that he wants his son to be closer to home. I think he actually, no, excuse me. He said that he wanted his son to be closer to home, but he kind of insinuated that, okay, maybe Bama, maybe Auburn, you know, one of those schools that are real close to home. Mac so, got it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to – see, I'll let Mac and Dino say it. I'm trying yeah. to be a little I, careful exactly. here when we're talking yep. about the recruit because, I again, I hate – I hate talking about family members when it comes to recruits. Yep. I hate it. It's not fair it's to the players that are 17, 18 years old. But, again, in any case, when a family member goes on record, it's, it's a little tough not to – share what's going on there yeah. um let's hit on the other topics too before we wrap up um yeah, just it's a quick it, it, one real quick too i just i saw yeah. this i want to make sure we don't forget it oh yeah uh, nick harbour is doing everything he can to be able to make an impact at south carolina i feel like he's going to see the field more he's starting yeah. to see the field a little bit more okay that doesn't necessarily mean okay why isn't he getting a th- pass thrown and he's a five-star that doesn't mean anything. Again, and I'm not Burley. This isn't directed at you, but I know other people are going to have comments on Harbor and off from what you just said. It's his first year playing wide receiver. He played DN. He played tight end in high school. He's transitioning over to wide receiver. He got banged up towards the end of preseason camp. Put him behind the eight ball a little bit. Obviously, because of the circumstances with Juice being hurt, there puts a strain in a higher emphasis of needing a wide receiver to be ready to go now. And I think that's why we've seen a little bit of the musical chairs, Luke Doty having opportunities. Luke's made the most out of it. No question about that. 
But I do believe as the season goes on, we will see more of Nick Harbour at wide receiver, not just from a snap count standpoint, but on top of that, I think we'll start to see him get a little bit more involved in the the passing game as long as he continues to come along in practice. I know some people are like, oh, it's practice, it's practice. This isn't the pros, okay? This isn't the pros, especially when it comes to some of these freshmen. When you have a guy that's a senior or whatever, that's a little bit different. When you have a freshman come in, I don't care how many stars they have. They need to give you some type of feeling of confidence as a coach before you put them out there. Even a transfer, like a guy like Mario Anderson, they need to give you that confidence um, as a coach to know that when you put them out there, they're going to be good to go. So I just wanted to say that real quick, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. So two quick ones before, because Mike – I know we got to shut things down a little early tonight, unfortunately. Kaki Joe asks, is Juju injured? Nah, it's just, I mean, it's a battle between Mario and DK. Um, so that, I mean, that's that's all that one's with. And last question of the evening goes to Giles Young. Giles, good to have you on again. Uh, do y'all think Rattler and Leggett are improving their draft stock? Leggett is looking like he's playing himself into a first-round selection. Giles, you're hitting the nail on the head right there, man. Absolutely. Um, the amount of attention that that tweet has gotten um, about the the top speed is is actually insane. So there's definitely some NFL front offices that that are watching his tape already, but I mean know what kind of player he is and and, and definitely keeping their eye on him and, and Spencer as well. I mean if he continues to play like he is, he's going to work himself into a first or second round pick. Um, you know, so I, for Spencer, all it is is keep doing what you're doing. Xavier Leggett, same thing. Um, and I, th- I think both of them could, I mean, potentially wind up in the first round. I don't think that's too crazy to say. Yeah, and there's actually a tweet. I'm going to share this real quick, and I don't know if this is what you were talking about, Joe. A little off topic. But this is this is Dante Reno sharing a photo just a little while ago. Looks like he was FaceTiming Daniel Hill. Says he knows where home is. Let's make it happen. And then I don't know if there's another tweet. Dante knows all, man. He knows I will all. Say, I will say this. Going back to Jalua Solomon. Guys like Dante, guys, there's a bunch of guys in this current re- class of 2024 that are staying on Jalewis and have been staying on him. So We'll see if that gets flipped. Uh, Joe, just hit some ad read real quick. Again, yeah. we have to wrap this up just a little bit quicker. That's Absolutely. what we do the show. And at seven ten, uh, 6 tonight, we also were able to know to get Carlin's Patel on. Uh, today's show, as it always is, is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. If you're trying to buy a home, you understand how difficult it is right now to find the best rate. And Clinton and his team, well, they do exactly that for you. They find the best rate for you, even during difficult times like this. They did that for former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth. They've also did that for our very own Wes Mitchell. Give Clint a call, 803-771. Oh, intern Joe Jones. I did. I wish I had that number memorized. Here we go, 803-771-6933. Clint Hammond. Yeah, I was just jumping to talk about our other sponsor of the night, Liberty Tax. Um, tax ID is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty uh, Liberty Tax and Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. 
On the other hand, if you think you might be on Sam, talk to Liberty Tax Team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803 803- 462-5576. Once again, on your screen right now, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. Well, I appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. Again, a six o'clock edition of GC Live. Let us know what your thoughts are. Yeah, if you like us going up an hour earlier, that was one of the reasons why, too, we wanted to be able to give it a little test run. Um, but next week, we'll be back at seven. Maybe. Maybe. Why not? Let's have Dante Reno on next week. Just throw that out there. We'll see if we can get Reno on to talk some Gamecock football, talk a little recruiting as well. If you missed any of our show, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network where you'll be able to find this show as well as every other Gamecock Central show as well. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuba. Be sure to catch Chris and West tomorrow at 2 for GC Live. Have yourself a good Tuesday and have yourself a good rest of the week. I'll be back on Thursday at 2 o'clock for the GC Live afternoon drive, and we'll see if we have a good guest for that one as well. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.